the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Cold day. <laughs> Minus nine is my uh, cell phone is correct. That's pretty cold. Let's, let's uh, start talking about leadership, though. A leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled. When there is no vision, the people perish. I believe that's from Proverbs. I must follow the people. Am I not their leader? I believe that was Disraeli. You manage things, you lead people. And that's uh, Admiral Grace Mary Hopper. And then finally, true leadership lies in guiding others to success and in ensuring that everyone is performing at their best, doing the work they're pledged to do and doing it well. There we go, folks. Uh, so anyway, you know, we always talk about our webpage. So if you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down the Smart Investor Show, I'll take you directly to my webpage. So you can, by the way, you can listen to all my old shows there. If you want to see what, uh, you know, does the guy know what he's talking about? <laughs> That's a good way to do it. And um, it, on there, if you go to my webpage, there's a banner. It says Insight. That is constantly revolving research from RBC. And believe me, RBC is one of the top research firms in the world. Uh, so it's good stuff. On the front page, there's something called Bolton Board, which has a weekly newsletter. And also, Rob Schleimer, one of the best technicians in the world, is trend and cycle work. So uh, something to look at. Uh, by the way, if you're interested, you can get the dividend growth, prime income list, best ideas, you know, that type of thing uh, from our uh, – uh, by, just by hitting contact me or email me. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee, call me. <laughs> I, uh, I had one last week with somebody. We went to Starbucks. Starbucks wouldn't let us sit in, inside. Uh, so uh, we had to go somewhere else. But uh, – uh, I guess Starbucks is no longer uh, uh, liking people to hang out in their, their places of business. So uh, we'll see what happens then. Also, uh, you know, a couple other things. We have, if, you're, if you're a business owner and you're trying to sell your company, I'm just telling you private equity is trying to get it cheap. Uh, there are other people who buy your company like a partner. Uh, we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. We have some people you should talk to. We also have money matters, uh, money matters for young professionals, all you young people out there who are trying to save and get wealthy, and, and Women in Wealth, a planning uh, workbook. Uh, what is the metaverse we have, <laughs> which is a great piece. And look, I, I've talked about these, and, and only one person sent in for them, so I know I'm on the right path here. The U.S. electrical grid, we have a whole thing on that. And we also had our Global Energy Power and Infrastructure virtual conference I, I think day two is the best, so I send that out. But uh, that's important stuff, you know. I, I thought it was interesting today. I read Barron's, and um, they talked about energy stocks. 
you know, it was a year from yesterday when we came on board here. And, and by the way, it wasn't just us. It was Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, and Tom Lee, who's the head strategist over Funstrat, two brilliant people as far as I'm concerned, said buy energy. You know, not, not even half my clients did it. And some of those stocks, like our best idea in the small cap world, is up over 45% year over year. Pretty good idea. And then also uh, we had ExxonMobil, which, uh, you know, was a dividend play back then. Uh, and I'm not recommending it here, by the way. It's up like 13 14 bucks. Uh, it was $58. It's now 73 So some of these things have worked really, really well. And one of the things I want to talk about, well, we'll get to it, about being a contrarian, okay? But first of all, let's let's see what Lori Calcivina has said. You know, she she talked about her – price target. She moved it up to uh, 5050 on the S&P 500. Uh, and I think she lifted it from 4900 And she did, she refreshed her models because, you know, things are getting beat up pretty bad and, and did some back tests and you know that type of thing. And she's going to stick with her target, uh, which I think is good. Um, the most bearish outcome she has is 4,500, uh, 4,400 on the S&P. And the most bullish is 5,600, uh, which about 550 points either direction, by the way. Uh, you know, and, and the models bake in the idea that real GDP will come in around 3.9% in 2022. Uh, and the consensus among self-side economists, on the flip side, um, we see that these valuation approaches we examine, you know, much lower multiple contraction could take the stock market down this year. Um, you know, so you, you, that's something to consider. But uh, uh, we have lost our faith in, faith in the small cap leadership trade that we had talked about. Um, as you may recall, right before Thanksgiving, small caps broke out. And, and I made a big deal of it on this show. And when you're wrong, you say you're wrong, right? Okay. And then they contracted very quickly when the Omicron virus uh, came to light. And uh, so... Uh, it looks like it's going to be, take a while for them to, you know, they've now broken down, okay, out of a, you know, a, a top that they've been in since uh, basically this time last year, okay? So um, we've seen a couple things. Number one, improving COVID trends, which is positive, attractive relative valuations, a very strong economy, a rising rates. I think, you know, we're on the, the onset of some Fed rate hikes and some elevated inflation expectations. So, uh, there we go. Now, if we look at things economically, and we talked to Tom, uh, with our, our good good man, Tom Porcelli, who's our chief economist, uh, he said, you know, basically, we have to cover some old ground here. So uh, at the risk of being very repetitive, which we have to say this, the year-over-year inflation rate is going to accelerate in the next few months. And by year-end, it will have slowed quite a bit. So he's thinking a big uptick, and then we, we pull back. But uh, unfortunately it's going to remain near current levels through the end, year end, all right? So it's going to pick up and then it's come back to where we are is what he's thinking. And, uh, you know, uh, that that could be, you know, it could get expensive for gasoline and stuff like that. You know, the, the administration has cut out a lot of the pipelines trying to get people to electric vehicles. Well, it may work, but, you know, electric vehicles, I, I, I've, been to two, I've seen two charging stations, and they're both diesel-operated. Oh, I don't know. What are you going to do? Anyway, I, I, uh, I did read an article uh, for all of those you people who 
you know, had some questions about the child tax credit, the advanced child tax credit. Uh, there's an IRS update that I believe I can send out. Uh, if not, I can tell you where to get it. And it's a fact sheet. A lot of people use this uh, to get some extra money from the government or get, you know, make sure the government didn't get extra money from them. So I'll just leave it at that. I just want to make that mention because it is available. I can get it to you uh, one way or another. So if you've got to see the tax man pretty soon or you're doing your own taxes, this might be a good piece to be reading. Um, so <clears throat> let's go back to the market, okay? And and I think we have to talk about, you know, the market, a lot of stocks have been getting killed lately. And the most percent did turn down this week. Uh, you know, it, it was a matter of time. That's the 17th turnaround we've had in the bullish percent. Now, uh, you know, I've said this for the last couple of weeks, you know, if it does it four times in a year, it's a big year. So this has been Dr. Jekyll meet Mr. Hyde. We've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And one of the things, um, you know, we've been talking about, and I can't remember when I first said this, and I, I looked, I tried to listen back, and I, I can't remember when I said this, but I've been talking about a barbell approach since I think last May. Now, what's a barbell approach? And, and you know, I talked about the bar being your prime income list and your dividend growth portfolio, okay? High-quality names with good, solid dividends. And by the way, as of a week ago, they were hitting new highs. There was five stocks on that that were hitting new highs, and there were eight on that thing that were just below their highs. Okay, so they have done their they've done the the lifting, <laughs> shall we say? And then on one side, we talked about having value stocks, and then on the other side, growth stocks. Now the growth side of the thing, <laughs> and uh, you know, we've been leaning to the left a little bit, okay? Because um, or leaning to the right, depending on which way you put your value. But value's been outweighing. Uh, growth, but you got to remember, growth has outperformed value now for eight years, and this is due to the Fed's policies. They haven't been paying for growth, right? So if you look at the cumulative returns, all cap growth, our our portfolio is up 125 percent. Dividend growth is up 84 percent. So that's not bad, you know. Um, so you know, what if you combined our all cap growth portfolio and 50% of it, and then 50% in prime income list and dividend growth portfolio. Hmm, what a good idea, all right? And I've been doing pretty much that for a while now, so I think that might be a really good idea for people out there. Um, and so if you continue to think like that, you know, uh, maybe you should get all three <laughs> and set up a, a time for me. Now, look, can values still claim higher long-term returns? And that's what I think everybody's saying. And you've got to remember, people are so used to growth. There's a whole generation of investors that just think growth, 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 growth. When everybody thinks that way, you should be thinking the other way. Let me remind you that growth has outperformed, I mean, value has outperformed growth for all but six years in modern history. Let me say that again. Value has outperformed growth for all but six years in modern history. Five of them coming in the last five years. Hmm, very interesting. So can value claim higher long-term returns? The answer is yes. And if we look with growth versus value, okay, I think you've got to look – 
Ken French and Gene Thamer, professors, you know, uh, uh, E.T. Maris at uh, Penn, and, and they talk about the value stocks had a 63% chance of earning a positive return uh, for any one month since 1930, uh, 1927. All right, that, that's a pretty big thing. So, you know, Look, there's been a lot of years. If you look at the ups and downs in years, there's been a lot of years where we've been down only to finish up. Okay? So, I mean, look, you've got to understand that if people are waiting for the next big bear market, I don't think it's coming. We may have a bear market, bear market. I mean, look, the NASDAQ's down 12% already this year. S&P's only down 2 Now, usually when you get to an end of a correction, it's the stuff that held up that gets whacked just so you know. But look, the pandemic-related fallout impacted equities differently, depending on the sector. For information technology, healthcare and communication services, uh, now, you know, we'll call it uh, <laughs> meta meta platforms, uh, you know, the, the pandemic res- resulted in strong growth, but then you had energy materials and industrials have, have suffered. Now might be time for that to turn, okay? So, you know, we talked about oil this time last year. Some of those stocks are up pretty nicely, 20, 30%. Um, you know, summer's days, 25 to 35, 37 now, I guess. So growth versus value, you know, you just got to remember that the growth returns over the past 25 years, uh, value has had actually outperformed up until 2016. And then growth just took off. Now, growth is fairly parabolic <laughs> and I, I think we might have a problem going forward all right so it's something to think about i also think the market are now just playing catch up with the fed you know one of the things that happened in 2018 was mr powell said he thought there'd be four or five rate increases and the market just tr- got trashed and i thought the fed had learned their lesson up until two weeks ago and that's when one, two of the fed governors said we're gonna have four or five rate increases and they they hammered them Okay, they hammered the market again. So, look, when they do that, we have what we call a buying strike. Who wants to buy equities if they know the interest rates are going up? If it's going up four times, we'll just wait to the third one and buy. Or maybe, you know, halfway to the fourth one, will we buy? And bonds, you've got to be out of your mind to be buying. And, you know, bond yields went straight up after that. Okay, so Fed may be talking a good game to get things the way they want them to. All right, so... Uh, when the stock market starts getting hit like this, usually, you know, you, you have a problem, right? All right, so we'll just leave it at that. So I, I think, um, look, they used to say, so goes January, goes the year. Well, th- if that's the case, then we have a bad year. However, in secular bull markets, Tom Lee said uh, in, his, in his fun strat piece every week that usually – if you start out January in a bet with a, in a secular bull market, you, you still finish positive for the year. All right. So we'll see if he's right. I've got one statistic, which I think is very, very interesting. And, and I think it's uh, something to pay particular attention to. Um, and that is the American association of individual investors. All right. We, we always talk about this. And uh, one of the things that I think we have to pay very close attention to is a number of bulls or bullish are at 20.1%. That's one of the lowest numbers I can recall. And usually, by the way, it takes about a week, maybe two weeks, before it turns 
But usually, when everybody's bearish, what is the bullish percent about? What do we talk about every week? When everybody else is bearish, uh, start lining up. Now, I have I, started to put together uh, some, some ideas. However, I still have a lot of cash. All right. And, and you know, some of my clients probably wondering where, where I've been. Well, I'm, I saw this coming and I've been waiting, waiting, waiting. So the, the bullish percent, we're, we're going to talk about that in uh, two breaks here, uh, is interesting. But the American Association of Individual Investors came in at 20.95%. Well, 20. So we'll call it 20.1 uh, bulls. So that's, you know, usually it takes about a week or two and then the next month's positive. And by the way, when you get down there, two years from now, there's usually a big positive move. So just remember that. Now, look, the 10-year, I think you've got to remember, the 10-year is still below the downtrend line dating back to 2000, uh, well, to 1982. Okay, so the yield is still in a downtrend. Just remember that. And and so that, that's something to you know, think about in the future. And I, I, look, we, we broke out. And that's because I think, you know, the, you know I, I said it looked like we were, we were turning over in the yield. And because the economic numbers were no good. And they're still not that great. But what the Fed said, the Fed governors, when they said, hey, we had four more interest rate hikes, who's going to buy bonds? So the, the, the shorts went out is what it came down to. Now, the Russell uh, 2000, by the way, you know, we said 2100 was the line in the sand. Well, we broke through that this, this week. So... I think you got to be very, very careful, all right? The NASDAQ is kind of an ugly chart, too. And what I don't like about either one of them is the relative performance is bad. Hey, if you got a question, uh, we're going to take a break here. If you got a question, the number is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, you just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. Like I said, uh, if you've got a question, it's 216-901-0945. Look, one of the uh, most common valuation metrics in the stock market, something called a P.E. ratio. Okay? It's a price-to-earnings ratio. Now, if you're dealing with growth stocks, it's a price-to-earnings growth ratio. So a price-to-earnings ratio is simply if you have a $20 stock and it's earning $2 a share, your P.E. ratio is 10, all right, which would be below the market average right now. If your growth stock, it'd be the price, 20, divided by 2, but your earnings, and your growth rate, okay? So if the growth rate's 10%, you know, you, you have that price-to-earnings growth rate, all right? Now, by the way, if the G goes down or the E goes down, you got to adjust the P, <laughs> all right? And that's, that's when stocks go down a lot. One of the things, if you take a look at the common valuation here, and if I look at the Russell growth valuations, the forward price earnings is like 34, 35 times earnings. If I look at the Russell uh, value, 3,000 value, it's, it's well below 20. It's, it's about 16. So if you're looking for cheap stocks, that's the place to be. And what that tells me is that growth stocks have become expensive. Now, are they going to zero? Uh, I doubt it. Will they get beat up a little bit? They could. You know, they might. Who knows? But look, um, 
there's a lot of people out there, many, I mean, I listen to CNBC all day long and many market petition, uh, participants, you know, they're, they're reading all the Fed notes, they're scrutinizing them, they're, they're talking about all sorts of stuff. And, and uh, people listen to these things and they get crazy, okay? Nobody knows where the rates are going, okay? I don't, you don't, no one does. They may be going up, all right? Folks, we're at the lowest interest rates in the history of mankind. We've been in a negative interest rate, real interest rate now, for almost two years. There's nowhere to go but up, all right? Now, how fast it goes up is the real key, I think, number one. Number two, you know, it, it kind of, if they, if they raise them fast, I think the Fed has a chance to blow us all up. And they're not that stupid. I don't think they are anyway. You know, they, they may have one rate increase just to make sure Congress is happy. But the real problem is nobody's produced anything for two years. I mean, e- even now, the Ford plants are not fully equipped. They're not running 100%. Okay, I, I talked to a gentleman who works there, all right? He's a, he's a very good client of mine. And he says they got about 60% of the people there, okay? I'm still working from home. I'm still working from home, two years into this now. Two years will be March 20th is when, when I went home and stayed there, all right? So you got to understand, nobody knows where the Fed's going. But on the other hand, you don't want to play cards with the Fed. Because they know your hand. They know everybody's hand. They know which card is next in the deck. Believe me, the amount of information they get is, a, is, a main, is amazing. The other thing is, you've got to think long term. These market movements beat people up. But you've got to understand that compounding crushes. It just crushes market timing. So for all of you that are panicking out there, don't think the next two weeks or the next two months. Think 10 years from now. And you know what? I had a retiree say, Tim, I might not live 10 years. Said, and it ain't going to matter anyway. All right? But in those 10 years, when you have a compounding effect with a dividend growth portfolio, when your dividends are growing 6 to 8%, you can't fake a dividend, ladies and gentlemen. You can't. All right? They will blow your stock up. If they think your dividend is going to be cut, they'll blow your stock up. Look what happened to AT&T. People knew before it happened that they were going to cut their dividends. So remember, you know, of course, yes, we have some inflation, finally. And remember, the, the Commodity Research Bureau Index peaked in 2011 and was down 81% at the bottom in 2020. When have commodities ever done that in your lifetime? Talk about deflation. And now we're adding a little inflation. Well, you should be happy. You know, you can actually ask for more money from your boss. Right now, you got to pay a little bit more at the gas station, but that might be a political football. You know, and I'm I'm not getting into that that mess on thing. But just remember, compounding is why you're in the stock market. Okay, and it it compounds better than CDs right at the moment, better than bonds. You know, bonds and CDs are deflationary devices. All right, that's why stocks have been the better place to be for a while. And inflation, bonds and CDs, you don't want to be in, unless you're rolling them every two years or a year, whatever it may be. But look, I think we have to take 
the long-term outlook. And let's take a, take a look at 2022 and see what we're seeing right now and see if it exists. We're in a secular trend. We have these 16 to 18 years long uh, bull markets and then bear markets. And the, we have a four-year cycle that happens every four years within those cycles, okay? I would just suggest that monthly momentum has peaked, suggesting that we're going to have slower or, or maybe even lower returns in 2022 versus 2020 and 2021. In that four-year four cycle, it's the first two years that our rocket ship, then we slow but sure, and then we have a, a sell-off after four years usually. However, uh, we are the trend remains positive in price, which is positive, and relative performance versus bonds and the S&P 500 advanced decline line. The S&P 500 advanced decline line has been bouncing up and down, but it hasn't broken down. All right, that's the important part. Um, you know, we neared, the, we, we hit the 200-day moving average a couple times in the S&P. We, we broke it on the NASDAQ. That's not a good sign. We broke it on the, on the small caps, too. So, um, you know, it's something to think about. Um, we broke 2100 on the small caps, so you got to be careful now. So, now some people ask me about international. I think international equity markets, the price trends remain positive, but relative to the U.S., they are, the trends are still negative. So, on a relative strength basis, they're still negative. Yet, millions of dollars. I mean, people. I, I just talked to a gentleman this week, and I, I saw his portfolio, and he has 20% of his portfolio in foreign equities. And he has 20% in small cap stocks. So he's getting beat up in small caps and he's getting beat up in international. All right. Uh, well, he's not getting beat up. He's just not making a lot of money. All right. When you could literally stay in the U.S., take a lot less risk and be more careful. The 10 year yield is in a broad range. It's from like 1.12. Uh, it just broke through 1.77. So it got to 188. Uh, and I think that's because of the, Fed, the Fed's comments. All right. Who wants to buy bonds, right? The U.S. dollar has rallied back to resistance. It's, it's uh, in the near-term downtrend. Uh, commodity trends remain positive despite volatile trading. I think, you know, gold's in a broad trading range, although it seems to be picking up a little bit. Uh, oil broke broke out. Oil looks like it, it could go to 100, some people think. And then growth versus value. Value's winning, especially in the mid-cap and the small-cap area. Matter of fact, mid-cap value tends to be, looks like the best chart on the planet right now. Uh, large cap growth looks like it made a little bit of a double top versus large cap value, so we'll see. And then the high beta stocks, you know, we talked about that. They they kind of broke up, uh, broke out a little bit. So, um, but you just got to remember, we have these 17-year cycles, and then we have a 14-year cycle. So the 17-year cycle, what are we talking about? Well, the last two, the S&P 500 went up 2,300%. So if we just went up 2,000%, it would be 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P. We're only a third of the way there, folks. All right? So just remember that. And we have this repetitive four-year cycle within that. Don't forget that. Um, now, one of the things that we watch very closely, and if you've ever had a uh, sit-down with me, you know I look at the four- and 13-month moving average. And right now, the 13-month moving average is well below the four-month. Okay, when the four-month is above the 13-month, you're in a bull, bull market. When it tips over and heads south, that's when you want to be cautious. That's when there's bear markets. That's, you may recall, I, I kind of get nervous. Uh, if you go back in, in 2020, in February of 2020, I said, you know, there's some stocks here that looks dangerous. 
and the the gap between the four month and the thirteen month moving average was huge then. And it's pretty it's not huge, but it's it's pretty pretty big right now. So you want to be careful with that stuff, especially since the momentum is quite high. So uh but you know look, I still think you want to be in stocks versus bonds and um you know, like I said, the American Association of Individual Investors is at 20.1% bulls. It's one of the lowest readings I've ever seen. That's very, very contrary and positive. Uh, we'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. if anybody saw Roger Daltrey at uh, Blossom Music Center. He did comedy. It was fantastic. Uh, anyway, I want to really concentrate on this Amer- American Association of Individual Investors sentiment survey, and then we'll get to the bullish percent, which we always do week in, week out. So the latest survey saw it at just 20.96% indicate they were bullish on the direction of the stock market over the next six months. And this is one of the lowest readings we've seen in, in that survey. Uh, there was just 17 other instances since 1987 that have posted lower readings, and four returns from those prior occasions showed heightened potential for weak returns over the following week to two weeks. However, the average returns are generally strong as you move one month or more away. More than one month out, 59% of the time it's positive, which increases to 82% three months out. Now, that's our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with this. And what's really interesting is if you look out one year or two year, the median, well, it's one, yeah, median, uh, we use that, is 19.3% on the S&P 500. And then after two years, it's 37%. So, look, I, I want you to understand, uh, now, I'm talking about the S&P 500 here. I'm not talking about the NASDAQ composite or anything else. Um, look, Market Action on Friday saw 1,315 stocks in the NASDAQ composite print a new 52-week low, which equates over one-third of the index that constitutes the index. Remember, last week we talked about that 40% of the S&P, I mean, of the NASDAQ composite, the 3,655 stocks in it, are down 50% or more. So the stocks that aren't down are the stocks that held the S&P 500 up. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of scenario uh, holds on. Now, look, if you look at the NASDAQ 100 returns following 1,100 new lows in the NASDAQ, over a two-year, one year, about 49% of the stocks are up. Over two years, 95%. So, you know, look, what I'm trying to tell you is don't get too bearish, right? Now, uh, I had several people uh, also say that they're they're quitting on Bitcoin and they're quitting on Ethernet. Um, and I don't know anything about these things. Uh, I just watched the cryptocurrency index, and, we, and my friends at Dorsey Wright uh, charted and rallied up a little bit, and then went back to common, a column of O's. And, and I just tell you that the Fed is now talking about digital currency. I don't know how these other ones are going to re, you know, react, but I don't think it's positive for them. I'll uh, just leave it at that. Now, um, 
I, I did notice something this week, and, and let's just, uh, you know, the, the, um, the <laughs> bullish percent turned down. Okay, and this is the seventeenth time this thing is put turned down. So it's it's not. I mean, this year it's not unusual. And, la- and I'm going back fifty two weeks. All right, so uh, you know it's it's one of those things where, hey, folks, you know, it's it's not waking anybody up anymore. And it, what's really hard uh, to understand, I think, is that um, you, you know what we've had is a scenario where. Um, normally four is a lot for a year. So the, the fact that we're in a column of O's is not uh, unusual. So let's talk about this. If you just listened to the show for the first time, which I assume there's a lot of people. I, I noticed last week, by the way, we had the most hits ever uh, to my webpage. So somebody's getting the research out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, anyway, the, the point is, is uh, the bullish percent was designed to be a risk monitor. And what it does is it counts the number of stocks that are bullish charts versus bearish charts. And what happens is you you look, when we go from zero to 100, when you get over 70, when everything's good, that's when you've got to be looking over your shoulder. Okay, that's when you've got to be paranoid. And when everything's bad, that's how the stock market works. When everybody's happy, you should be paranoid. When everybody's bummed out, they don't open their 401k statements, you know, I don't get invited to parties. That's when you should be bullish. So this goes from zero to 100. When we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. Depending on what we are, when we're over 70, you want to throw the short pass, hand the ball up to the fullback, nothing risky, okay? When you get below 30, throw the long bomb. Now, when you go into a column of O's, just so you know, distribution in the stock market happens a lot faster a lot faster <laughs> than accumulation, okay? Things go down faster than they go up. It's, just, it's because of fear. When we get into a column of woes, that's when people, you know, the, the stocks are all breaking down, and that's when you want to be more paranoid. And then when we get below 30, you want to pay very close attention. Now, we went to a column of O's this week. We're, we're currently at 43. Now, uh, the over-the-counter index uh, – was at 30 last I checked, and the world index is, uh, is in a column of O's too. So all three indexes are in a column of O's. Now, look, everybody said, well, it's at 30, it's okay. <laughs> no, uh, if it's at 42, it's not okay. Believe me, because I've seen from 42 down to five, it's very painful sometimes, okay? So what we've got to do is watch, because like I said, you know, we have this contrary opinion here by the American Association of Individual Investors, who are only 20% bullish, all right? Now, the big thing I saw this week is the Russell 2000 growth, or, you know, it's small cap growth, broke down. I thought that was going to lead the way. Uh, and by the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright and every other technician in the world saw back in, it was in uh, November, where they broke out of this huge base and then broke right back down the week after because of Ethernet, uh, no, Omnicron was mentioned, and then the Fed started, you know, getting very hawkish. So one of the things we're noticing is the relationship between the S&P 500 value index versus the pure growth. And if I look at that, you know, it's definitely telling me, hey, 
be a value. Now, the two things about the value index, the mid-cap, is that the relative strength went to a buy on the 13th. So we are in a relative strength buy signal, which is very positive, especially in point-and-figure charting. So the momentum's picking up. And it also reversed into a column of Xs versus growth. So what we're telling you in so many words is there's a change in leadership happening. Now, what I've been doing in my portfolios is putting a little bit of value in there. And I had a couple of growth stocks that uh, – a couple that got away from me, I, I must admit. I think they're going to be great long-term buys. But right at the moment, they're getting whacked, okay? So that, that happens sometimes. But the majority of the portfolios held up very, very well because I, I bought value. Now, some people I, – I had a, uh, a question from Ted this week. And Ted asked – by the way, if you got a question, it's 216-901-0945. Ted said, Tim, our biotech's value. <laughs> and Ted, in all my lifetime, I have never heard biotech and value in the same sentence. And I'm still not sure. Uh, there's a lot of biotechs that are getting whacked, and I'll say that. Now, our friends at Dorsey Wright, uh, who provide us with dynamic asset level investing, this is sector investing, okay? And what it does is it, the sector that gets the most votes is number one, gets the least is, num- is dead last, okay? The, the financials overtook technology, and energy overtook ty- technology, Consumer cyclicals picked up and industrials. That's the top five. It goes financials, energy, technology, consumer cyclicals, and industrials. Dead last is healthcare. And healthcare has been there for almost a year and a half now. Okay? It's either been them or real estate. Now, real estate's picking up. And communication services, and by the way, that's uh, the metaverse partly, and then utilities. All right? Um, so healthcare is dead last, and then communication services, then utilities. So we'll see what happens. So I think you've got to start overweight in financials. They actually beat them to a pulp. I mean, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they all got beat up after announcing uh, what people said were disappointing earnings. They were blowout. I, uh, Bank America announced some strong ones, so maybe that's the place to go. And I think you've got overweight energy. Um, I'm not sure what to do with technology because it's starting to weaken, and that's what worries me. Uh, consumer cyclicals were weakening too, by the way, but they had a lot of votes. And industrials, I think you just want to equal weight those. Uh, Consumer uh, non-cyclicals were improving. That's the staples. They were improving. Some of those hit new highs this week, so we'll see what happens. Um, Internationally, um, you know, we talked about Norway being a buy, Peru, uh, Australia, France, and Poland. And I I, I think India and and Czech Republic and Israel also uh, showed up too. Sweden uh, was in there and and Taiwan and Netherlands. But uh, I... You have to, by the way, it's not all the ETFs out there, okay? So I looked at certain ETFs, and they had they had they were on a buy, and so you have to be very careful in in looking at which ETF in those particular countries because some of them have different na- names involved, okay? So uh, we'll leave it at that. Fixed income, the the ten year Treasury yield broke out big. Um, you know, it, it got up to one fifty. So uh, the other look. Two weeks ago, I thought it was turning over, uh, but I wasn't expecting uh, a Fed official to say, hey, we probably have four or five uh, rate increases. And what that does, it automatically says, why should I buy bonds? Why don't I wait till they get to the fourth one? All right, because that's what people do. And by the way, by the time they do the fourth one, it's too late. 
right? <laughs> Usually, uh, you know, the, the yield curve's already anticipated it, and you should probably be buying on the third one. But you certainly don't want to buy them now. Matter of fact, the shorts probably had a field day because, you know, when bond yields go up, the price of the bonds go down. So the shorts probably had a field day because, uh, you know, we were at 140 uh, last time I talked, and we went straight to 1.85. So um, now I didn't see what happened Friday. I mean, we were down Friday, and I don't know if we put an, uh, an O on the on the charts or not, but we'll see. Anyway, crude oil has been positive for four weeks. Same with gold. And, and gold looks like it wants to break out, but it's not. And maybe some of the money is leaving uh, the Bitcoin or the, you know, um, the Bitcoin Ethereum area and heading towards gold. We'll find out. I did think copper was a really good-looking chart. I mean, it broke out. And uh, now it's still got – on a long-term chart, it's got some ways to go. But if it does break out, it, it could be a really big you know, move, I think. But crude oil breaking 85 was very positive last week. So – that was that was huge. So I think you know there's nothing but air to uh, to 100. The other thing I, I would suggest is is uh, well, we'll just leave it for there. Hey, let's take a break and we'll right, be right back with insiders and just a little bit of a wrap up of what we're seeing on a weekly basis. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. If you got a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Um, and we're going to talk about insiders, uh, a, a Facebook founder gone wild. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, we do have Joe on the line. Joe, what's going on? Uh, yes, I'd like to know what your opinion is on the new Albany, Ohio, and what's going on there, and how is it going to affect us up here? You mean uh, Intel? Yes. Uh, actually, I, I think it's... Uh, you know, Mr. Biden got a, a feather in his cap, uh, but I don't know how it's going to affect us up here. You know, obviously, it's great for the state of Ohio. I mean, it's fantastic for us. Um, you know, and what I think it's really interesting is they've placed it where it's three hours from like four different states. So they can, you know, they can get people from everywhere. But I tell you this, they're going to build up a town around there. Uh, it's going to be huge. So it's going to be extremely positive for the state of Ohio. Well, thank you very much for your opinion. Uh, I'm a little excited about it, and I just uh, wanted to know if anybody else noticed. I think a lot of people did Friday. Uh, I, I probably talked to ten people that were, you know, very happy about the whole thing. So. Well, thank you. All right, Joe. Have a great day. Thank you. So, Anyway, you know, we always talk about insiders because uh, what we've done is we started out with strategies and then we've talked about individual sectors and, and then we've talked about, uh, uh, you know, energy versus financials and healthcare being the last place and all that good stuff. Now we talk about insiders because they know the companies better than we do. And we find out when they buy a lot of them, you should pay attention. And the first one uh, is a guy named Matthew Moran and uh, – he, he's a director I, I, of um, Universal Logistics Holdings, and this is a big buy. He bought three million shares to the tune of forty-six million bucks. That ain't chump change, folks. And uh, you know he he paid about fourteen ninety-five. So it looks like he he probably bought this back in December when it got down there. Um, 
he's just reporting it now. I don't know how he got away with that, but we'll just leave it alone. Now, you know, one of the guys that started Facebook is a guy named Dustin Moskowitz. And Dustin's a very smart guy. I think he's number 30 on the Forbes billionaire list. Uh, And he's gone hog wild on this company called Astana, which is in prepackaged software on a subscription basis. And, you know, since Christmas to last week, you know, last week he bought 750,000 shares on Monday. He bought 5 million shares. And on Thursday and Friday, he bought another 1.2 million. And you know what? He's down on most of that 5 million shares. So obviously, Dustin thinks very, very highly <laughs> of Asana and the fact that he bought another 1.2 million shares. All right. So uh, he continues to buy. Also, uh, Telebio. Now, this is a little $12 stock. It's down from, I mean, it was just 14 a month ago. Uh, EW Healthcare Partners. I think that's Edwards Life Sciences. Uh, they bought. $6.8 million worth of their stock. So obviously, you know, uh, they are a 10% owner, by the way. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I believe they own like 2.5 million shares now. And then uh, and this guy is really a bright guy, uh, Charles Mormon. And uh, if you don't know him, um, he he's a director at Oracle. He's been around the block in technology a couple times. Now, Oracle had an unbelievable quarter. And then they bought a company, and I don't think everybody's agreeing with that buy. I would say Larry Ellison has one of the best track records of acquisitions I've ever seen. So I'll just state that. Uh, but Charles bought uh, $1.25 million worth. All right, so that's that's not chump change. And then um, Theasis Pharmaceuticals, which was a $22 stock, is now a $9 stock, which has happened to a lot of small-cap uh, biotechs. That's why... You know, when Ted said biotechs and and value in the same question, uh, same sentence, you know, I said I'd never seen that before, but it may be the case. Anyway, uh, Carl Gordon bought uh, $1.1 million, and so did Orbit Advisors. Uh, and then Orbit came back two days later and bought another $340,000 worth. Uh, so something's going on. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. And then uh, there's a guy named Peter Otherwain. And, uh, you know, Thor Industries, which is recreation vehicles, just got hammered last week. Uh, it was, it was at a hundred, started the week at a hundred and, uh, at 110. And by the end of the week was 87. So he stepped up to the plate and bought a million dollars worth. All right. So, and then our friend Jack Schuler, <laughs> who's been buying accelerated diagnostics for like five years now, bought another hundred thousand shares. He now owns 18.8 million. And then, um, you know, we talked about this uh, runaway finance group, uh, and the o- OCM Growth have been buying it, and they're a 10% owner. They bought another, uh, I think they have 20,198,000 shares. They bought another 20,000 this week. Uh, you know, they bought uh, basically 20,000 shares every day last week, <laughs> and uh, then they bought some as, as far back as the, the 6th and 7th. So, uh, you know, I forgot, um, Orbermed, uh, by the way, on uh, Theasis uh, Pharmaceuticals, both they and Carl Gordon had bought uh, last Friday, too, so I didn't hit my insider buy report uh, this week. There's a lot of insider buying. So I think, you know, the two uh, two highlights here, I would suggest, would be uh, Universal Logistics and Asana. Uh, you know, obviously, 
you know, Asana's a growth stock, so I don't know what this guy's thinking, but, uh, you know, he did this with Facebook. Uh, when Facebook came public, they got absolutely hammered because uh, they were overvalued terribly on the initial public offering. And it, they went from 45 down to 16, and he bought it around 25. So uh, he was a little early, but it turned out to be pretty right. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so here we are. All right, volatility is likely to probably remain elevated this week uh, with earnings coming in, okay? So remember, we have one of the lowest bullish readings on American Association of Individual Investors we've had. Um, Short-term momentum indicators, you know, tracking two- to four-week swings are moving towards pretty heavily oversold. So suggesting a low is potentially developing early next week, maybe late next week, who knows. Growth in technology uh, stocks are probably going to remain in investors' crosshairs as many uh, bellwethers challenge important technical support coming up here. And I think uh, as an index, the S&P 4,500 and the NASDAQ 14,000 and 2,100 for the Russell are, you know, those those have to hold. Now, the Russell didn't hold, okay? So, the Nasdaq 14,000, we came right down to it. I think we broke it and then rallied right above it. Uh, that's what they call an undercut, which is can be okay. You know, and the 10-year yield, remember, we're still in a downtrend going back to 1980 uh, on that. So uh, there's some technical resistance. I think the next technical hurdle will be 2.1, maybe 2.2. Um, we'll see. 2.5 is where the downtrend line is. We'll see if we break through that. And, and the U.S. dollar, you know, it pulled back. Um, it's really interesting, I think, is that the U.S. dollar is at 95, 90, you know, hit 97, and oil stayed about stayed above 75. You know, that's only happened in 1% of the cases, which means oil may be staying up for a long time. Uh, I think we shot ourselves in the foot with oil as a as a nation, but you know if you're not going to open the pipelines, oil is going to stay above 75. Natural gas is going to stay up too. Wait till you get your first bill. Um, so I think you know commodities, uh, oil's up, trends intact. Same with copper, same with gold. Now they're not breaking out, but they're not going down either. Okay, and that may be a base that they're forming before they have a liftoff sometime in the in the, in the future. So so in the equity ideas. I think growth, you know, short-term momentum indicators are becoming very oversold for growth, all right? Uh, people think I'm kind of nuts for sticking around, but, you know, the rally may be a good one. I think the quality of the rally would be very important. Also, high beta uh, versus low volatility. Uh, safety is showing early signs of bottoming at key support, so just remember that. With financials and energy becoming overbought, so you want to wait on those, okay? Now, they, they hammered. J.P. Morgan, they hammered Goldman Sachs. They rallied Morgan Stanley. They rag, rallied Bank of America. So we've just got to be a little bit more careful. You know, healthcare is down and out, and, and there's some really good-looking long-term charts in that area. And there's a lot of small-cap – I mean, bio is – there's some bios that have like $4 in share in cash that are trading at 2 bucks. And I, I saw like six of them last week. So um, – I also think the staples, you know, have had a bottoming pattern and now starting to lift off a little bit. And in financials, uh, they're in improving patterns long term. So I think that's really, really positive. So what do you do? 
you know, I keep talking to people. I, I've been using our growth portfolio with our dividend growth and our prime income list. Uh, I add more prime income list the older you get because uh, that's got a nice yield. I mean, if you buy them all, it's 4.2%. Um, and that's a great combination, you know, and we're monitoring it all the time. And, uh, you know, look, we threw GE out before they cut their dividend. We threw AT&T out before they cut their dividend. So we'll see. But, uh, look, I, I think we, you know, we have a situation where everyone is negative, okay? Everyone is re- is negative. And, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, what we're going to probably see is new leadership develop in the stock market. I sound like the boy who cried wolf because <laughs> I've been talking about value versus growth for two years now, two and a half years. And I, but I think um, finally uh, we might be coming to a more rational approach to interest rates, uh, which you know sounds negative, but in the long run probably very positive. But don't get too bearish. We're still in a long-term secular bull market. Now the bullish percent is at 42. It could be a, a tough couple weeks to get it down to the 30s. Just don't forget. So let's go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, go right to my webpage. You can get the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, and uh, the best ideas. And, and like I said, you make a nice portfolio out of those. In the meantime, stay warm. It's like minus nine degrees out there. My dogs won't even go outside. Uh, and, and have a great weekend. By the way, if you want to have a cup of coffee with me, let me know. Starbucks is out, though. <laughs> Remember, buy low, sell high. Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.